As we kick off today, here's a question, you know, um, I want to ask you, what's good news that you've received recently? What's good news that you have received recently? In fact, I threw this on social media while you're pondering this, and here's just a couple. Shannon said her daughter's report card, she did so well. I don't know if it's a surprise, you know, or not, you know, but it is encouraging when our kids succeed, and that's good. That's good news. Uh, 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 Corey wrote, we were approved to move into a new home. Uh, what an encouraging news, you know, to be able to receive. Or Dinah wrote, my favorite, uh, daughter passed the bar exam on her first try. Son station changed from Okinawa to California. Next daughter got engaged and accepted to nursing school. Next daughter graduated basic training and got her MOS. The next daughter is getting commissions on her paintings. Next daughter, well, she's eight. She's got time to change the world. All this is in the last five weeks, you know, uh, that she experienced, you know, uh, there. Now that is a good five-week run, you know, to be able to have. Uh, Mariah said that we became licensed foster parents, you know, once again, and now we have a sweet newborn to love. Really, really cool. Uh, Angelica wrote, my brother checked into rehab and he's doing so well. It's encouraging. Then lastly, Dottie wrote, no chemo until the first of the year. And so perspective, right? Uh Oh, and so I want you to answer that question with the people sitting around you. What is some good news? And good news is relative, you know, to folks. And so whatever good news you can think of that you've received recently, go ahead and share that with the person next to you. You've got about 30 seconds. Go ahead and do it now. Okay, we want to hear a few of these. What's some good news? What's some good news you received? Your son got a job. It's good news. Good news. Good. See, we're clapping at this service. I like it. Somebody else? Daughter coming to church. That's good news. Really good news. Got a refund of $406 from her insurance company. It's good news, right? There's lots of good news. Last one. Wow. Her granddaughter, she's eight, so neurological brain surgery, and she's cleared. You know, I love it. No seizures, nothing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, here's what's interesting. If I were to ask you the same question a little bit differently, hey, what's some bad news you received recently? It would be a lot easier for you, <laughs> right? Isn't that funny? They'd be like, oh man, it kind of takes a second. Hmm, what is good news? Hey, what's not gone well? And all of a sudden, oh, well, let me just tell you, you know, all the things that, not go, that does not go well in our lives. In fact, here's what I do know about some of you, because it's kind of like me. Uh, you might hear Dinah's, you know, with all these kids that have had amazing times, and you might be sitting there just like we do on social media. Well, I wish my life was like that. Right? I, wish, I wish my kids or my situation, my circumstances is reflective of what I read or see or hear on social media, yet not realizing the 18 years previous that Dinah had to go through to get to this point. Right? We, don't, we don't talk about that. We just look at something along those lines because it's easier to focus on what we don't have. It's easier to focus you know, on the negative instead of the positive. And so if you get nothing else out of today, here's, here's what it is. To unclutter Christmas is to focus on, to receive, and to share God's greatest news. 
to focus on, to receive, and to share God's greatest news. So the rest of our time, we're going to kind of unpack what that looks like and what that means. So the first one is focus, right? We just mentioned this, to focus on God's greatest news. Now, you do realize that when we focus on what's wrong, what's stressful, what's not going well, it creates inner turmoil inside of us. It affects us. And unfortunately, we usually can't keep that to ourselves. And it comes out in different ways. We're maybe lacking patience or we might blurt it out in the lives of other people around us. Usually the people we most love, we're usually the most real and blunt, you know, when it comes to that. And, And so are we focused on the greatest news instead of, you know, focusing on these other things that you see exemplified on the stage that are not bad, but when our focus is there, we find ourselves a little bit more stressed out. In fact, I got a clip I want to show you of somebody who was really focused on the wrong things. And then, which is our passage for today, instead of having you look there, uh, you're going to hear it yourself. And so go ahead and watch the screen with me now. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. (laughs) And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. What a classic, what a great reminder, you know, of how many of us exemplify Charlie Brown, you know, during the season. I mean, things may go well, but we still get caught up in the wrong focus. And it's like, sometimes you do need to cry out, is this really what it's all about? Because you get to the end of the season, you're like, man, I'm just more tired than when the season began. So there's still time, you know, in these next few weeks to unclutter our Christmas this season by focusing on God's greatest news. Now, one little side note, those of you who are Charlie Brown or Peanuts fans, you know, uh, may or may not know, the the only time that we ever see in print or uh, on the screen of Linus, who holds onto that blanket, it's the only time we ever see him drop the blanket is when he says, fear not, and he begins the rest of the passage. You know, so just as a little kind of insight that what he began to focus on, the blanket was his protector, the blanket was the comfort, the blanket was, and then all of a sudden his focus became on God and he drops the blanket. What symbolism, you know, and what an example, you know, for us as well. Now I want to bring uh, some special attention, you know, to verses 10 and 11, where the angel says to these shepherds, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will be of great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. He is proclaiming the good news. Now, for us, 
we need to reread the Bible just a little bit differently. Because when we think good news, there is a big difference between good news and great news, right? You do realize that. But when we think good news, I'm like, well, great. I, I saved 15% of my car insurance. You know, that's, that's good news, right? And we read this and we're like, well, hey, good news is that and good news is uh, Jesus being born. It's all good news. But you do understand there's a difference between good news and life-changing news, uh, great news, impactful news, uh, just even our own lives, uh, different ages, different stages. As a high schooler, you might say, I got good news, I got an A on my test. Great news is I scored maybe really high on my SAT and got into the college I wanted. See, that's significant, it's life-changing. Uh, maybe uh, good news is finding out that that guy or girl likes you back. Great news is you got engaged. Oh, by the way, on Thursday night, uh, there was somebody sitting over here. I asked him, hey, what's good news you received lately? And he raises his hand and, and I said, yeah. He goes, she said yes. And so everybody was all, oh, she's all embarrassed. And everybody's all clapping, clapping, clapping. So I couldn't help it. I said, so you're going to Taco Bell tonight. Yeah. You know, like, woo. You know, so I hope they come back. Um, so, so, you know, good news is getting a good job. Great news is getting your dream job, right? So think about it in your own life. What's the greatest news that you have ever received? Okay, just process that in your own heart. Because when we read the scriptures, we read this, I bring you good news of great joy. And we unfortunately take that English word good news and think, well, good isn't good, isn't good, isn't good, isn't good, as it's all equal. No. So you need to reread this. Whenever you see the word good news or gospel in your Bibles, you need to think the greatest news that's ever been given. Okay, that's why you have to reread it every time. The greatest news. And so we've got to focus on this great, on this great news. And, and this great news, this good news gospel means salvation. It means you and I deserve punishment. We have done wrong morally. And because we've done wrong morally, there's consequence for us in what we've done wrong. And God takes the consequence for us from his son, Jesus Christ, who goes to the cross for our sin, for our punishment which gives us a chance to be able to say, I received that good news. I'm going to focus on that good news. I'm going to share that good news you know, with the world because of what it's done for me right, and what it's done for you. And many of us lose focus during the season. We focus on so many other things that we forget the reason for the season and thus find ourselves more stressed out and cluttered than we should be in order what God wants to have for us and from us during this type of year. Now, when you have great and good news, good news, who do you share it with? Uh, most of us will text it out. We'll throw it on social media. Hey, look at our vacation. Uh, look at our kids did this. Uh, look what we got to be a part of. And we kind of share that out in kind of a, a large mass because it's good news. But you do have an order when it's great news, when it's off the chart news. Uh, if you find out you're having a baby, you just don't throw that on social media as the first thing that you do. You don't. You have an order of importance based on relationships that are significant in your life. So you might share with your parents, or you might share with your closest friends first, you might share with coworkers, and you have this process, then you get to share it on social media. And all of this is true for us. Okay, most of us, when we receive some of the greatest news, we have a, an order based on closeness and depth of relationship that we share those great news with. Would that be true? Not if you would be true in that in your life. Okay, reason this is important. God has the greatest news in the history of mankind. Who does he share it with? 
See, we read this story, and we've, those of you who have been a Christians for a while, you're like, ah, I've heard the story. I've seen the Charlie Brown thing. La, 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 and angels, shepherds, here they go. We don't stop and think, whoa, because we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't share it with shepherds, right? We would share it with significant people. We would share it with important people. We would share it with the depth of relationship. I mean, if you're God of the universe, wouldn't you go to at least influential people? I mean, those who could really get the word out, this great news that's going to be for everyone. Don't you want to get the word out because it's for everyone? Uh, if you're God of the universe, wouldn't you at least start with your children? Uh, the nation of Israel, you know, the, the, the people that he, that he kind of adopted to, to, to bless them and then bless the world. Wouldn't he at the very, very least share it with those religious leaders? Doesn't do that. Of all people in the world, outside of Mary and Joseph, the only people, because not even the kings, according to scripture that we'll talk about a little bit more next week, not even they were visited by an angel. The only angel who came outside of the people who were directly and most affected by this were shepherds. Now, why? Why in the world would God go to shepherds? I mean, shepherds were outcasts at best. I mean, uh, a low at best, outcasts at worst. You know, they were not accepted in their society. They're Bedouin community. They're, 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 they smell. They're around sheep all day. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, but yet, wouldn't that be God to say, to signify that he would go representative of all people that he'd go to the shepherds? See, here's what I've realized about God. It's one of the coolest things about God's word. God seems to tell a story within a story. You ever notice that? Those of you who've been a Christian for a while, you might read the scriptures and you'll read it and be like, wow, that's so significant. You'll read the very next, the exact same scripture five weeks from now, a year from now, and you'll see a whole new meaning and a level behind it. It's kind of like peeling back an onion. Now, here's what I uh, thought, you know, and this is my being naive. I thought when I met and married my wife, Carolina, I thought I knew her after three years. I'm like, oh, got it. I got her pegged. This is good. Here's the funny part. Every year I feel like I know her more deeply, but I know her less because it's like the onion. It's like, there's another layer. There's another layer. There's an incredible layer underneath this year after year after year. And those of you guys who've been married far longer know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the difference in depth of relationship. And God is telling a story within the story. The other thing you need to understand is shepherds couldn't just walk into the temple and worship God freely. Uh, they had to go through a ceremonial uh, uh, cleansing process in order for them to go into six different sections of the temple in order to have this worship of God. And God is now signifying this great news is going to be for shepherds and everyone because now you can go to me just through Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you guys who like another layer that I think is most significant is in this part of the world, shepherds would have been caring for sheep that would have been used for the sacrificial system not too far away from Bethlehem in the city of Jerusalem. What that means is in the Old Testament, to help pay for our sins, God set up a system because punishment needed to be required where the animal would take our place. Very deep, very moving, an unspotted lamb specifically would atone for our sins. They would have to lay their hands on, the priest would pray you know, for the sins, going in from you to, and going onto the sheep, and the sheep would take your place. Very moving, very significant. And so we see this as part of the history of what's taking place. Now, here's something that I discovered that I had never known before. In Jewish tradition, in Jewish tradition, revealed in the writings called the Mishnah, a belief had risen that the Messiah would specifically reveal from a place called Migdal Eder, 
which literally means the tower of the flock. That's the name of the city. The reason that's significant is because in Micah 4.8, they got this idea from there. It says, as for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Saying that the Messiah will be revealed, will be shown to these tower, watchtower of the flock people. Now, here's where it gets a little bit cooler, at least for me. I got a little giddy about this. A little, I nerded out, I won't lie. The sheep in that specific region would be so carefully examined by the shepherds because they would be used for sacrifice that they would take the unspotted lambs and they would care for it in a special way according to Jewish tradition. In those places, when it was an unspotted lamb, knowing that it was going to go to sacrifice, they would actually wrap the lambs in swaddling clothes and lay them in mangers. Okay, well, am I the only one who's been nerded out about that? <laughs> one of the coolest things. You know, again, it gets according to Jewish tradition, according to Mishnah, you know, you kind of read about it you know, on your own. Something I learned this week. Now, here's why this is so significant. In terms of the angel, why they would tell the shepherds of all people is because the first time that Jesus is publicly pronounced, that here he is, the first time that he is made known to the public is by his cousin John, or you might know him as John the Baptist. Here's the first words out of John the Baptist proclaiming who Jesus is to a crowd in John 1.29. Look, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a story within the story. That's what God is always proclaiming as we begin to see who Jesus is and this incredible good news. And so are we going to be a people who focus on this good news. So to unclutter Christmas is going to take focus. It doesn't happen by itself because you're going to get pressure from all other things, family, relationships, good things. But how is this a focus for you? Which leads us to the second. If you know about the good news, you've got to be willing to receive the good news. Now there's a difference between hearing about the good news or great news and receiving the greatest news, right? You do know the difference. In fact, the shepherds modeled this for us in Luke chapter 2. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, their response indicated they received it. They didn't just hear it. They actually did something with the good news. That's when you know that you received it. Uh, they didn't pray about it. They didn't say, we got to get our estate in order. we got to be, you know, this by this by this. Then we can go see it. They're like, no, we're dropping everything. we got to go see See, they receive this good news. And it's the same thing with us. Do our words and actions prove to the world that you and I have received, not just heard it, millions of people have seen Charlie Brown Christmas. Millions and millions and millions of Americans over the years. Doesn't mean everybody has received it, although they may have heard it. And this is what Romans tells us about receiving it. For I'm not ashamed of this good news or great news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So in order for you to receive the good news, you have to put your faith, your life into the life of the one who gave it all. Which is why every week we want to give you that opportunity to receive this great incredible, transformational news. There's nothing greater you can receive on the side of eternity. And it's good news. It's phenomenal news. So to unclutter Christmas is to focus on the greatest news, to receive the greatest news. And then lastly, 
for most of us in this room who've already received, maybe, we ought, maybe our focus will be a little off, is to now share this good news, to share it. Notice what the shepherds did in verse 17. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. See, the shepherds did not put weight on whether the people received the good news. It was just their job to share it. That's their only job. A lot of times, you know, we don't want to share, you know, the good news because we feel like, well, well, what if they don't receive? That's not your job. Your job is just to proclaim the good news. If we're going to unclutter Christmas and we're going to focus and we're going to receive, we've got to be willing to share. Yet, many of us have a hard time sharing. And it got me thinking, what stops us? I mean, it's the greatest news. If we had the cure for cancer, you and I'd be shouting it from the rooftops, right? If we had the absolute solution for some of the world's greatest problems, we'd be shouting for the rooftops. And yet, most of us hold back on sharing even greater news than that. Why? And I believe there's some reasons that we get cluttered during this year. One is fear. The first is fear. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid of not having the answers in which they have questions for. And so we kind of keep it in our little bubble. So we've got to unclutter our faith. We've got to unclutter our faith. Uh, let me give you a couple examples of this. The word Christian, you do realize, is a weighted word in our society today. It's not looked at positively. Okay, For those who are not Christians, it's not usually the, yay, I get to be around Christians, Christian people. They stand for good news. That's not what Christians are known for, are they? Right? It's weighted. In fact, if you go to different parts of the country, I did recently, you know, uh, different parts of the country, and somebody finds out you're a Christian, one of the first response in their minds, or verbally, they might say is, oh, you're a Christian. That means you're against homosexual people. And you're like, what? Where did that come from? Or that means you're against, or that means you're against, all right, here's my favorite one in our society right now. Uh, Christian, if you're a Christian, oh, that means you're 100% Donald Trump supporter. And everything that he says, everything that he tweets, and everything that he believes. And you're like, Christian equals this. And you're like, what? wait, wait a minute. You know, uh, I don't agree with everything that I say all the time, let alone everybody else. Now, we should pray for, we should honor, we should respect our president 100%. But when did it get associated with this means this, right? As Christians, you do realize that we are more known for what we are against than what we are for. And that was my, my, one of my first sermons that I gave here. I want to be a church that's more known for what we are for than what we are against. Why? Because we're supposed to be the people with great news. And yet that's not what our society thinks anymore. And here's the reason why. The reason why is that, is that because we think that people should live what we live by, yet they've not signed on the dotted line, Right? You're asking people to uphold a contract relationally with something they've never committed to hold in a contract to. So what I mean is that when I accept Christ, I enter a non, I'm in a binding relationship with him until I meet him face to face when I die. That's my relationships. That's my commitment. That's my covenant. And yet I think, well, why aren't you guys living that way? Why aren't you outside the walls living that way? And unfortunately, as Christians, we begin to shout at the darkness thinking that's going to bring light. And that's not what God's called us to be. So we've got to share the good news. Are we willing to share? So we've got to unclutter our faith and be willing to share good news. Not complain about what's going on in society. 
bring good news. Are you a person of good news? Uh, a second way is we've got to unclutter our relationship with Christ. Uh, uh, here, here's what we've kind of fallen into as a society. We treat Jesus like the new iPhone. Uh, what I mean is that think about the brand new present that you got. It could be an iPhone, it could be a tech gadget, it could be a car, it could be you know, a toy, it could be something new that you've gotten within the last five years. Remember how excited you were about it? Remember how passionate you, know, you were about it? You showed it off and took pictures and shared it with people because it was like, it was fun, it was engaging, there's nothing wrong with that. And then you, you, you did extra things. You, you like washed your car regularly. You cleaned it. You actually got, you know, you wouldn't allow, right, kids? No eating fast food in the car, ever. Until you get that one spill. Until you get that one ding. Until you, you know, uh, make that one dent. Until something gets a little bit older, and then you get a little bit more loose, and a little bit more loose, until finally it's old, and then you feel like, oh, it's so old, I need something new again. Unfortunately, we've taken that exact same idea and applied it to our relationships, especially in our culture of marriage. We think... When I marry someone, that I'm going to have this euphoric honeymoon feeling and experience the rest of my life. And so you'll hear phrases like this, a year into it, two years into it, five years into it, somebody might say, I, I don't think we're in love anymore. I, I, maybe I was never in love with you. And so since I'm not in love with you, I don't have those euphoric feelings like we used to have all the time. I, I need to go find somebody else who can be my new iPhone, Right? And this is what we do in relationships. And we wonder why we, we're having these, these, these feelings and these lack of connections that's taking place. And here's what I can tell you. Somebody's been married for 20 years. I remember when I first dated my wife and we would talk until like three or four in the morning. So much engagement. Here's what I can tell you now. I don't talk past nine o'clock. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, mm -mm, my words are done. We'll have to talk about this tomorrow. Ask her, you know. We're not doing this. I'm sleeping. Right? But I've been married for 20 years. Here's what I can tell you. My relationship with her is much deeper than it has been. The euphoric feelings still come, but they come and go. The commitment remains, and it's much deeper. And how much more do we do that with Jesus? Those of you guys who came to Christ a little bit later in life, junior high, high school, you know, maybe even later, do you remember the passion? Remember the excitement? Remember the euphoric feeling? You could not believe what Christ had done for you. You could not even be able to put into words other people. You just knew there was something different about you in this euphoric and this high and this amazing emotional experience, which is all great. And then over time, you found that that emotionalism has, 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 has begun to fade a little bit. And then for some people, they're like, oh, I guess I must not be a Christian. But for others, we begin to go to a level of just participation instead of passion. And we forget our first love. And we forget the reason why we're here. We forget that we experience great news. And so we don't focus on it. We don't receive it anymore at a deeper level and veiling that onion. And we definitely don't share it anymore. And so we've got to unclutter our relationship with Christ, which then leads us to the next one. Because if we're uncluttering our relationship with Christ, then we care about the things that Jesus cares about, right? And what does Jesus care about? People not connected to him. That's what he cares about most. That's why he says, I came. My purpose in coming, Jesus says, is to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why I came. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for those who need help, who want help. That's who I'm here for. And so we've got to undercover, unclutter our love for those not connected to Jesus. Here's what we know. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What do you talk about? Well, what are things that, that you talk about on a regular basis? 
If you want to spiritualize it, think about what you've prayed about in the last week. You'll notice the things you pray about are the things you care about. Or when you begin to pray about things, you begin to care about those things. So here's the litmus test. When's the last time that you talked about or prayed about someone you know specifically who's not yet connected to Jesus? Because here's what happens. When you pray about something, you will care about that thing. So if you begin to pray for your, for your friends, family, neighbors, people who are unconnected to Christ, it's fascinating how your heart begins to care about the people who are far from God. And so to unclutter, because we'll make Christmas all about this, you know, behind me. And it's not bad, but it can't be the priority because we'll get to the end. But, whew, so to unclutter it, we've got to focus on those who are not yet connected to him, which let me just ask you this way. Humor me for just a second. Everybody just take a look at your feet, okay? Just look down at your feet, okay? Now, think about this for a second. Do you have beautiful feet? <clears throat> okay, now look at it. Some of you guys are elbowing each other like, no, no, I know what's underneath those pretty shoes, girl. <laughs> I see it all the time. Do you have beautiful feet? Now, this is going to make sense in just a second. Because in Romans chapter 10, it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Amen. Do you have beautiful feet? Because that's what God is looking for. See, who will you share the greatest news that you've ever received that could ever be proclaimed in this life and in the life to come during this Christmas season? You'll get to the end and being like, that's what it was about. You're not responsible for whether they receive it. You're just responsible to share it in words and in actions and opportunities of invitation. So both of those, which is why when you came in today, you should have, you know, on your seat or near you got one of these invite cards. Now, we'll do social media posts. We'll encourage you to do that. We'll put marketing stuff out there. That's not what most people will receive. Most people receive an invitation personally from you, not from me, that you're saying, you know what? I am a follower of Christ. I want you to come and hear about the greatest story ever told and, and experience it with me. So we have 11 Christmas Eve services. Three will be Christmas services, as you call them now, because they're not, six, seven of them are not even on Christmas Eve. That's why I call them Christmas Eve services. So three of them are at Otis, and eight of them will be here, just like we had last year, as we seek to be able to try to reach people for him. Now, I've had a couple of people ask, hey, are you guys doing Sunday morning services, you know, in addition to those Christmas services? And I said, well, if you want to, you're more than welcome to. I think eight is plenty. We get our service quota in. You know, we're fine not doing Sunday morning services on that Sunday because we have two that afternoon and four on Monday just in case you miss those as well. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up, how will you focus on, receive, and share God's greatest news this Christmas season? How will you get to the end to unclutter Christmas is to focus on the greatest news through the greatest story that's ever been told. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. I pray, Father, for anyone who's in here who's not yet received this great news that today might be the day that they say, I have heard this, Lord, but now I receive this. I surrender my life to you. God, for the rest of us, I pray right now, 
you would bring to our hearts and our minds someone who you want us to reach out to, you want us to share this greatest news. Father, it could be a family member, co-worker, a neighbor, someone at my school, or a friend. So Father, give us courage, give us the opportunity, give us the passion, Lord, that we have, just like the shepherds did, to hear, to receive, to share this great news. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.